गोपीजान बाला गिरिवर धारी यशोदनांदन व्रजजन रंजन यशोदनांदन व्रजजन रंजन जमुना तीर वनचारी जमुना तीर वनचारी जय राधा माधव कुंज बिहारी जय राधा माधव कुंज बिहारी जय श्री कृष्णा चैतन्य प्रभु नित्यानंद श्री अद्वैता गदाधर श्रीवासादी गौरा भक्त चैतन्य प्रभु नित्यानंद श्री अद्वैता गदाधर श्रीवासादी गौरा भक्त कृष्णा कृष्णा हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे
Jaya Jaya Prabhu 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 Jaya Jaya Prabhu We are reading from <coughs> Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 7, Chapter 6. Prahlad instructs his demoniac schoolmates. Verse 6. Pumso Varsha Shatam Hyayus Tad Ardam Chajitatmana Nishvalam yat asoratriam Shete andam prapitastama Pumso varsha shatam hyayus Tad ardam chajijadmana Nishvalam yat asoratriam Shete andam prapitastama Pumso varsha shatam hyayus Tad ardham chajitatmana Nishvalam yad asoratriam Shete andam prapitastama Matris. Shri 
Pumsa of every human being. Varsha Shatam, 100 years. He, indeed, Ayu, duration of life. Tat, of that. Ardam, half. Cha, and Ajita Atmana, of a person who is a servant of his senses. Nishfalam, without profit, without meaning, yet, because, aso, that person, ratriam, at night, shete, sleeps, andam, ignorance, forgetting his body and soul, prapita, being completely possessed of, Tamaha, darkness. Translation and purport by Divine Grace. Esi Bhaktivedanta Swami Translation, every human being has a maximum duration of life of 100 years. But for one who cannot control his senses, half of those years are completely lost because at night he sleeps 12 hours, being covered by ignorance. Therefore, such a person has a lifetime of only 50 years. Purport, Lord Brahma, a human being, and a Lord, Lord Brahma, a human being, and an ant all live for 100 years, but their lifetimes of 100 years are different from one another. This world is a relative world, and its relative moments of time are different. Thus, the 100 years of Brahma are not the same as the 100 years of a human being. From Bhagavad Gita, we understand that Brahma's daytime of 12 hours equals 4,300,000 times 1,000 years. Sahasra Yuga Paryantam Aharyat Brahmano Vidu. Thus, the Varsha Shatam or 100 years are relatively different according to time, person, and circumstances. As far as human beings are concerned, the calculation given here is right for the general public. Although one has a maximum of 100 years of life, by sleeping one loses 50 years. Eating, sleeping, sex life and fear are the four bodily necessities. But to utilize the full duration of life, a person desiring to advance in spiritual consciousness must reduce these activities. That will give him an opportunity to fully use his lifetime. Om Ajnana Timirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshur Unmilitam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Rama Rama, Rama Hare Hare <coughs> Hare Krishna So it's a continuation of the verses by Prahlad Maharaj teaching to his uh, schoolmates and uh, and today's verse is talking about how so much time is spent or wasted in ignorance, in sleeping. And uh, in the purport, Prabhupada explains how everyone lives for 100 years. Actually, it's a, it's a relative time. So the 100 years, actually, <clears throat> I looked it up on the internet to find out how long the ant lives. And they live for about a few weeks. Uh, most of them, some of them live for a couple of years. Um, and Brahma lives for, does anyone know how many years? That's a day. What's the total life? 365 days. <laughs> into? Into? So the total amount of years that a Brahma lives is 311 trillion years and 40, 311 trillion, 40 billion years. 
that's the actual lifespan of Brahma, yeah? <clears throat> so here, Prabhupada is explaining that a human being, which is us, most of us, most probably maximum duration is 100 years. Brahma lives for 411 trillion, 40 billion years, which is his 100 years. An ant has few weeks, which is its 100 years. <clears throat> so in that way, the time is very relatively present in the life of all these living entities. And in that lifespan, they do exactly the same thing. They're all born, they all grow, they all have their family, they all eat, they sleep, they have their uh, recreation activities. Um, you know, even, even in the ant colonies, in, in that short duration, somehow they figure out how to have a full ant colony, which is like a very established civil engineering. <laughs> and they, they do that for the entire, for in that very short, short duration, they establish or, or they sort of support the whole colony, they, um, they have their own family, they have the schooling, everything happens in that short duration. And, and, uh, and, and yeah, and then at one point they're ready to die. So, <clears throat> human beings do the same thing. We have a little bit more time. Um, Brahma does the same thing. He has a little bit more time. So, but the activities are the same. And you can see then that way the 100 years are spent. But, here Prahlad Maharaj is explained that out of that hundred years, saying tad artham, the artham means profit or some gain, um, some production. So he said that Prabhupada explains in the in his um, in, in his lecture to this verse, he was mentioning that there are two kinds of production, so two kinds of profits. You have the material profit, and you have the spiritual profit. So the materialists are working for material profit. They are working, they're making money, expanding the business, <clears throat> expanding the family, uh, finding comforts, and they're busy making the profit in the material life. Spiritualists are also busy to make profit in their spiritual life. So they are measuring how they're advancing in the spiritual life, how the chanting is improving, how the reading is improving. So in that way, <clears throat> they are also busy in profit-making. But here, the verse says that when one is asleep, nishphalam yad aso ratriyam shete andam prapitastama. But in that ignorance, <clears throat> there is no profit. When one is sleeping, he doesn't make any profit, materially or spiritually. So that time is simply wasted. It's, it, there is no gain from the sleep. One is not making any kind of profit from just sleeping. And uh, <clears throat> when a lot, of time, a lot of people these days spend a lot of time in sleeping, uh, that's a time that's absolutely wasted, that's gone. So Prahlad Maharaj is saying here, 12 hours a day. So if your maximum duration of life was 100, then 50 years are wasted in just sleeping. Uh, <clears throat> if you sleep for 6 hours, then um, half of that. So 25 years are wasted. But you can see, it's not just the sleep, but there's also that lot, a lot that goes with your sleep. The preparation for sleep, um, um, waking up and putting the snooze buttons and uh, <clears throat> and then finally waking up then but then just still sitting on the bed not really sure what's happening where am I then getting ready the whole thing it's, it takes so much time and then if you're going to take a nap during the day it's another set of whole lot of time so it's, it's so much time that if you think about it is actually wasted behind just the sleep. <clears throat> so, the problem is for who? 
as Prahlad Maharaj is explaining here, is for the Ajitatmana. Ajitatmana, Prabhupada translates as, in the word for word, he says, of a person who is servant of his senses. Or in the translation, he says, the, those, for those who, who cannot control his senses. So the people who can't control their senses, <coughs> they end up wasting a lot of time. So we can see that a lot of our time and a lot of our life is wasted in finding the comfort and pleasure for the senses. So we can analyze our day or you know, when we, before going to bed, this is a little meditation that we all can do, is that what did I do for the day today? So you look at, okay, so I woke up, then I did my chanting, then I did this and that. And if you look at it, <clears throat> you can see for yourself how much time was spent uh, in looking after the bodily and mental needs, um, and how much time was spent um, looking after the spiritual needs. And then there was a lot of time that was spent, or that could have been saved, if our, if we, if we choose not to um, gratify our senses or spend too much time on looking after the senses. <clears throat> A very common example is of the food, how people who are, uh, or people who are attached to having nice foods or tasty foods, they would spend so much time in preparing for it, in making all the nice arrangements for it, so that they can eat very comfortably. Or people who make so much arrangements to have the comfortable sleep. <coughs> the house temperature has to be just right, not too hot, not too cold. So in that way, all the senses, they are constantly demanding so many things. And those who are materially minded, they actually end up spending a lot of time in making sure that the senses are comfortable, that the senses are happy. Um, and in that way, when we're spending so much time behind the senses, that's almost like an animal life. Because the animals are constantly worried about their senses. They've, as soon as there's a hunger, they must go and eat. As soon as they desire for sensual pleasures of different kinds, they must immediately go and respond to them. <clears throat> and so that, if that happens to a human being, then there's no real difference. We're living the same as the animal life. So, but according to Bhagavatam, it is avyartha kalatvam. It's a waste of time. It's, it's, a, it's a very useless waste of time. So Narottam Das Thakur, he mentions um, in one of his songs, he says, Manushya Janama Paya, Radha Krishna Nabhajiya, Janiya Shunya, Vishakhainu. He said, Manushya Janama Paya. He said, I got this human birth, Manushya Janma, I got this human birth, which is very rare, which is very rare to get 8,400,000 kinds of species. <clears throat> we happen to have this human form, which is considered to be the most advanced. Uh, offers you the most advanced facility. Manusha Janmapaya, but then with that most advanced facility, what did I do? Radha Krishna Nabhajiya. I didn't, I didn't worship Radha Krishna. And in that way, I wasted my time looking after my mind and senses. And therefore, what was the conclusion? Janiya Shunya Vishakhainu. Janiya, I knew about it. Shunya, I heard about it. Vishakhainu, I still knowingly drunk poison. So that is, that can be the situation <coughs> for many, is that although we know that the human life is rare and is very precious, and that the goal of life is spiritual advancement, we can get carried away in looking after our mind and senses. And in that way, waste a lot of time. <coughs> Thankfully, we have some point of reference now that we are practicing Krishna consciousness that where is the real happiness or satisfaction. And we can see that when we are just spending so much of our time in looking after mind and senses and their demands, there is no real satisfaction. Um, it still feels quite empty. 
So therefore, the solution that Bhagavad Gita gives of these uncontrolled senses, how do you deal with them? You tolerate them. You tolerate the desires, the demands. <clears throat> and um, Anirudhapa was mentioning this yesterday, that pretty much straight after the first instruction of the Bhagavad Gita is that you are not the body, you are the soul. And the very next instruction after that is that one must control the senses, one must tolerate the demands. <clears throat> so, in the beginning, we might not have the taste for devotional service, we might not have the taste for chanting or, or many of the Krishna conscious activities. Or we have taste for prasadam, we have some taste for maybe kirtan, uh, devotee association, but um, that taste is something that comes later, but in the beginning, you know, we are not driven by our spiritual taste, but at least we can tolerate our material urges and we can stay focused. So, now, <clears throat> again, coming back to this Prabhupada's purport and, and in his, his mentioning here, and it's also mentioned in the translation how sleeping for 12 hours, so that includes our sleep for six to eight hours, depending on person to person. There's also a lot of um, time spent when people lie down and they can't sleep, <laughs> and they're just tossing and turning. There's a lot of time spent in daydreaming. There's a lot of time spent in doing, um, <clears throat> for the material people, material consciousness, a lot of nocturnal activities, intoxications, um, and um, yeah, and a lot of, lot of activities which are completely material. So that takes away a lot of our time. <clears throat> also, when you sleep late, you end up sleeping longer than if you were to sleep early. It is said that any sleep before 12 o'clock, any sleep before midnight, each hour of sleep gives you twice the amount of rest. Any sleep after 12 and before 4 a.m. gives you the same amount of rest. And any sleep after 4, four, four a.m., each hour of sleep gives you half the amount of rest. So <clears throat> most people, I remember in my university days, we would sleep at 1, 2, 3, 4 o'clock. And then we end up sleeping for don't know how long. Just the next alarm rings, or, or when we just when we have to run to go to our work. <clears throat> so many hours slept, no clue, no tracking. Um, but if we can sleep on time, if we can sleep early, like if, if we say nine between nine nine thirty, latest ten o'clock, then that's a good time. Then if you sleep then, then you can still wake up early and you still be well rested. And you don't need to waste so much time just on your bed. <clears throat> so, in the Bhagavad Gita, it's explained <coughs> in the sixth chapter, in the 16th and 17th verse, where they're talking about, where Krishna talks about the regulation of your sleep, eating, recreation, and work. And Krishna explains that a yogi, he doesn't eat too much or doesn't eat too little. He doesn't sleep too much, doesn't sleep too little. So having the right amount of sleep is, of course, important because otherwise we'll not be very focused in our chanting the next day <coughs> or any of our activities next day. So it's very important that we sleep, but it's very, very important that we regulate our, our sleeping. And um, for again, for, for materialists, the eating, the sleeping, the recreation, this is, this is where they look for the enjoyment. Um, just having a nice, good sleep, comfortable sleep, it's, it's, a, it's a source of enjoyment. But for devotees, we understand it's a waste of time, so therefore we want to regulate that as much as we can. <clears throat> so, those devotees who can, who, who we have noticed over the time, that those devotees who can sleep at a particular time and who wake up at a particular time, they, they eventually become very peaceful 
and they become very regulated. Um, and you can see the, the consequence of that is that your chanting actually starts to improve because you're rested and, and your body feels recovered from the night. <clears throat> so it's very important that we always go to bed on time. And I remember Kadam Kanan Maharaj once mentioned very nice, and he was mentioning that um, activities, I think he was mentioning 8.30 or 9 o'clock, something after, around that time. He said, after that, he said, now something has to be really, really urgent for you to attend it. But otherwise, after that, you should really start wrapping things up. And try to go to bed as soon after as possible. <clears throat> so you don't want to take on a lot of new things after that. You just have to, whatever you have to finish off, do that quickly. If you, if you can delay something to the next morning, definitely do that. But after 8.39 o'clock, it's, it's, it's time to cut off on all the activities. <clears throat> and in that way, once you have a fixed time to go to bed, which is early enough, then your next thing begins is that you wake up early the next day. So Prabhupada gave a very nice program, a morning program, which is a very um, amazing gift if we accept it. Um, Rupa Goswami explains all the 64 items of devotional service and 60 of them are covered in the morning program. And uh, if you are if you are Brahmana, then all the 64 are covered. So if we wake up in the morning program, if we can chant with the devotees in the temple, that's the best. But if you can't, if you're living too far, then at least you can chant in your little temple space and little sacred space. You can create a nice, nice atmosphere. You can just chant peacefully. <clears throat> that will, um, improve our chanting, it improve our, our, our Krishna consciousness. We'll make a rapid progress if we're able to attend the morning program. So, um, and that's another program, you know, because here we're talking about how to conquer our senses and how to conquer our sleep. And morning program is a great way to conquer the sleep. It's when you wake up at 4 o'clock or 3.30, uh, depending on how long you take to get ready. But you wake up in the morning and you hear you're here in the temple for 4.30 for Manglarati, and you follow the program all the way through till breakfast. So that's a solid input of Krishna consciousness. Then we are ready. Those, when we attend the whole morning program, <clears throat> or if you do it at home, uh, and you have your morning program, we are ready to deal with the world. We are ready to um, do our service after that, or our work after that. Um, and there's one more thing is making our sleep Krishna conscious. So, Sri Prabhupada mentions in Krishna book twice that before going to bed, it's nice if you can read Krishna book. So that would transform our sleep into Krishna conscious, into Krishna consciousness. <clears throat> also. Before going to bed, we want to make that resolution or determination that I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to chant my rounds attentively in the association of devotees. And with that determination, with that resolve um, and that meditation, we go to bed. And that helps us also to conquer our sleep. <clears throat> so Prabhupada explains here in the, towards the end of the purport, he says that eating, sleeping, sex, life and fear are the four bodily necessities. But to utilize the full duration of life, a person desiring to advance in spiritual consciousness must reduce these activities. So these are bodily necessities and we have to attend to them. So different people with different body types might have different needs of how much eating that they have to do, how much sleeping that they have to do, um, how much recreation they need, etc. So all these are required, but they have to be minimized as much as possible. 
Um, and that's something that we have to see for ourselves. That's something that we have to decide for ourselves. Uh, we can take guidance and, uh, and we can also have some practical measurements, step-by-step -step process and progress. <coughs> But we can see in the examples, for example, in the cases of like Goswamis or like even great devotees, and they really minimized the needs of the body to very minimum. The Goswamis sometimes would forget to eat and they wouldn't eat for days, so sometimes they forget to sleep um, and they wouldn't sleep for a few days. For us, it's hard to stay awake. <laughs> but for great devotees, it's hard for them to sleep. <laughs> and, you know, Prabhupada would go to bed around 10 o'clock, he would wake up around 12.30, 1. And, um, and sometimes we hear some of the servants, some of the devotees, and sometimes they would hear this noise in Prabhupada's room, even in that two, two and a half hours, you know. And Prabhupada, and the devotees would be curious, what's happening there, you know? And they go inside and they put the ear and and sometimes Prabhupada is talking or sometimes Prabhupada is saying something or Prabhupada is doing something. And, uh, and yet devotees ask, what was that Prabhupada, you know? And he said, oh yeah, I was, you know, whatever. He was talking to Krishna or he was planning for the day or planning for his preaching. So in that way, even this two, two and a half hours, even that is like an austerity for them to somehow, you know, like quickly get it done so that they can go back to their service. Um, so we can see how our advancement, as we make our advancement in spiritual life, we'll see how our bodily necessities are reducing. And, and, and we don't need so much of food and we don't need so much of sleep for our satisfaction and for our pleasure. But we just do what is minimum, what is required, and then we are actually looking for real happiness or real pleasure in devotional activities. <coughs> So modern civilization means that you increase your bodily necessities, you increase your bodily comforts. That's called civilization. But spiritual civilization or Vedic civilization means that you reduce your needs. Um, and you focus more on your spiritual consciousness and advancement. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur has written a very nice song. It says, Jiva Jago, Jiva Jago, Gora Chandra Bole. Um, Kota Nidra Jao Maya, Pishachira Kole. So he's saying that that Lord Chaitanya is calling, wake up, sleeping souls, wake up, sleeping souls. How long will you sleep in the lap of the witch called Maya? So that's Lord Goranga's program, waking everyone up. Come on, get up. Don't waste too much time in sleeping, you know. You have, how long will you sleep in the lap of the witch called Maya? In that illusion where you completely forget who you are. I'm the spirit soul, I'm the servant of Krishna, that the goal of my life is to serve Krishna, to develop love for Krishna, and it's completely forgotten in that illusion of sleep. So Lord Goranga's program is, come on, wake up, chant Hare Krishna. And that's the program of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and that's also the program of the devotees, is that they're going and they're waking the sleeping souls, they're waking them up. They come on, wake up. Chant Hare Krishna. <clears throat> so, so when we are doing our outreach, when we are doing our preaching, we have the same mindset, is that we are trying to wake them up from the slumber of illusion, ignorance, and they're asleep. And we're trying to wake them up to the reality of the real identity of the spirit soul and our service to Krishna. <clears throat> So with this, I finish and see if anyone has any questions or comments or corrections. Yes, well, you have a mic? So Prabhu, you mentioned about the ignorance and sleep. So we are trying in the very day we try to be as much as Krishna conscious we can by reading and everything at night we read but sometimes it's very hard we just forget everything when we are asleep and it's so hard to get up 
every time we have to push ourselves to do it, how to make that transaction smooth, that willingly we want to get up, we have rest, we do everything what's possible for the next day, for morning <coughs> program, but still our intelligence is smashed in the morning. It's just, it, it just has so to the, push so the, hard. The willing, the willing wake up will happen after a long time. So don't expect that you will wake up feeling ecstatic. Oh, I'm going to chant now. It will not happen, at least for a while. So we have to train. In the beginning, we have to train our mind. So what's most important and what is really, really required is an early bed. So if you go to bed on time, then that's the first step in achieving the morning program or waking up in the morning. <clears throat> if you're able to sleep on time, then most likely you will be well rested for your morning when you have to wake up. So if you're well rested, then that's your one big achievement. Now the next thing is getting out of the mattress and you're sleeping back. And that's another challenge. So therefore we have to, you know, there are many ways how people put their alarms far enough, you know, have friends call them in the morning and wake up, etc. So there are different ways we can do this. <clears throat> but one has to be mentally very clear, at least when you're going to bed, we have to be mentally very clear that I'm going to wake up at this amount, at this particular time and I'm going to chant. So we, when we get up in the morning and when we chant in the morning, we know that's the best chanting. And actually, any activities that are done in the morning, they are the best activities. They have the best quality. And anything that's done after those morning hours, then the quality is significantly reduced. So, for those people who have never uh, chanted in the mornings, um, or haven't chanted long enough in the mornings, they, it's very hard, it would be very hard for them to even experience what a good chanting is. Um, so, but when you have these morning hours, when you're able to chant um, with focus in the association of devotees, then after a while you start to experience the chanting is nice. It's not a drag, you know, like finishing the 16 round is not a struggle, but it's somewhat nice. So when we, so in the beginning we have to again, we have to push ourselves and we have to make that conscious determination that now I'm going to wake up because I want to chant attentively in the association of devotees. <clears throat> Is it okay? Um, I read once that Prabhupada said if you sleep more than six hours you're a bit in mode of ignorance and, and recently also uh, I read in um, Macquarie University they're studying Alzheimer's disease, you know when you get old your brain sort of rots away and you forget everything and uh, one of uh, things they discovered that if you sleep more than six and a half hours you're more likely to get Alzheimer's disease or less than six and a half hours. So that's um, six and a half hours that these medical doctors recently discovered that's the optimal amount of sleep to avoid getting Alzheimer's because mm -hmm. it's a pretty scary thing for a devotee because you just sort of forget everything, you don't even know your name yeah. and die like that. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so actually you, thank you for mentioning that. It's something that I had in my mind and I forgot to mention that. <clears throat> but. There is no real blanket statement that everyone needs six and a half hours. You, you can't have a blanket statement that you can only sleep this much and not more, not less. Like when Prabhupada says the six hours of sleep, then again he, he does explain later, very soon after. That actually it's six hours, but some people need maybe even seven or eight, you know, if you're working, if, you're, if your job is very physical and demanding for the entire day you're working long hours, well, you need more sleep and it's okay. So, you don't want to compromise on that, but when we don't sleep enough, which is another problem, then we were discussing that other day, um, and that causes the sleep debt, and that's not good either. So, when you're not sleeping enough in the night, and when that accumulates over many days and many weeks, then that can cause a lot of sickness, physical problems, mental problems. And uh, we have seen that, uh, plenty of examples in the cases of devotees. I have experienced for myself, 
when I don't sleep enough for a long duration of time, the body just like at one point just gives up, just can't do it anymore. And then you have to sleep in for many days to recover. So after all, at the end of the day, you, you didn't achieve anything. You know, you, you felt like you were doing great for one minute, but then the next minute you just body collapses and then you have to rest up. So, one or two days for whatever reason, you can't sleep enough, fine, but then you don't want to accumulate that for too long. So, you want, so we always, we need to find out our, according to our body what is, what is required, what is necessary, and we should give that, but we just don't want to spend any more time resting. So, thank you. <coughs> yes, Prabhu. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Um, you mentioned that when we make an advancement, our bodily demands reduces. Is this a conscious, conscious effort that we re reduce our bodily demands, or is this an automatic symptom of advancement? It's both. It's both. So, <clears throat> a, lot of, a lot of time we, we eat food out of pleasure. It's not really a necessity. <laughs> like, you know, having Having one dessert, yeah, okay, it's nice, uh, we wanted it and, and it's good, it's okay. But having two desserts and three and five desserts is not necessity. <laughs> so it's really a, a lot of activities that we do. Uh, um, it, it could be the sleep, it could be um, chit-chatting with the devotees, and a lot of, lot of things that we do in our, in our day are done more out of pleasure and enjoyment than the actual necessity. So although all of these things are required to some extent, when we start looking for, when we start finding our pleasure in spiritual activities, then naturally our attraction to doing activities which are not good for us, that slowly reduces. So we can start to see like, okay, I want to chant attentively tomorrow morning. So. If I really eat a lot now, it's a dinner time, it's late, I eat now, I'm going to struggle waking up in the morning, I'll be tired, I'll not be able to chant properly. So, let's reduce my eating right now. So just eat what I, what I need, so, I, so I'm still fulfilled, I'm still satisfied, but not more than that. Yeah, so eventually we get to realize and, and sometimes it means that we have to consciously do that, you know, and we have to consciously reduce our um, our engagement to what is required. So both is there. Is it okay? Prabhuji, thank you for the nice class. Prabhuji, you mentioned that both spiritualists and materialists are trying to collect something, are trying to make progress. But we see in material life, we can measure how much progress we've made by seeing our bank balance, seeing our big car, the big house. But in spiritual life, how are we supposed to measure how much progress we've made? Hmm. Nice question. So our spiritual progress is measured in many ways. <clears throat> One of the very good way to measure is by measuring our chanting, or the quality of our chanting. Um, I remember, uh, was it Gopandish Prabhu, but there was also someone before that, and he was, they were mentioning about how you can give yourself points for chanting. So the, you, you can measure the quality of your chanting. <clears throat> so let's say, if, if you are able to hear 50% of the rounds, so when you chant the 50% of the mantras you are able to hear, then that's certain amount of points. You are able to hear 75%, you are able to hear 100%, you are able to hear all your rounds, like all your mantras, then you give us the certain points. But all those 100% was more like a forced hearing, but then there is also the hearing which is more out of taste, that you are actually enjoying it. And of course, the 100% of chanting and the tears are rolling and the hairs are standing on the end. So, you can give yourself points for that also. <laughs> but you can see how all this is, so you can see, if you, if you put like a little graph, 
and you can see how my chanting is doing, or uh, I could only hear 50%, or today I could only hear 25%, or today I heard almost all the chanting. So you can see how your graph is going up and down, up and down, but then you want to see how your graph is slowly going up, even though it's, um, it's up and down, but overall it should be making progress. Overall your chanting should be improving, that you are able to hear yourself chanting. So that's a very good measurement of that we are making spatial advancement. In the kirtan, we have the melodies, we have the instruments, we have the people, the dancing, so there's a lot going on. In uh, prasadam, there's, you know, who is the cook and what kind of meal is it, there's a lot of other factors. But when we're chanting, it's really only us and the holy name. So that's a very good way to measure how we are doing in our, in our spiritual life, or if we are actually making the advancement. And very simple way is also we can ask our mentors or our guides or our other senior devotees and we can ask them, am I making advancement? This is what I'm doing. And um, we can constantly report ourselves to them and we can ask them, am I making advancement or what should I be doing to make advancement? And that's another great way to measure our spiritual advancement. So just a few. Thank you. Thank you. There's this one Guru Mahavishnu Maharaj, who left his body now, but he used to frequently, um, or sometimes, give this um, class about how to um, tell how much you're advancing. And there's this verse in Nisopanishads about one result is if you cultivate knowledge, and another result you get if you cultivate nescience. And, and the difference between uh, spiritual knowledge and material knowledge is given in Bhagavad Gita. Chapter 13, verses 8 to 12, there's a list of 18 qualities of spiritual knowledge. So he was saying that if you chant Hare Krishna very nicely, automatically you'll get all these very good spiritual qualities. So you shouldn't sort of externally endeavor to get all these qualities, but if mm. you chant very nicely, you'll get these qualities. And to measure how much you're advancing, you can look at all these lists of 18 qualities. And if you're actually developing these qualities, then you're making advancement. and and uh, these quality, they're like a lighthouse, you know, a ship's going through the sea and it looks to see the lighthouse if it's going the right way. And mm. Those qualities, you know, humility, pridelessness, non-violence, tolerance, simplicity, approaching a spiritual master, self-control, all, all that, you know that? All of them, yeah. So, so, all, so all if, these you're, if you're developing those qualities, then that means you're making advancement. And yeah. 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 Yeah, so that's a, that's a great measure. And um, <clears throat> as devotees, we are always self-reflective. We are always analyzing, self-analytical, and it's always good to measure where we are at and if we are making progress. And, and these qualities are also a sign of making the advancement, although devotees sometimes might not see that they're manifesting the humility and compassion, but um, we can always take guidance from devotees as well. So, thank you, Bo. Thank It will come if we chant nicely anyway. Yeah, That's what it will said. come. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Grantrachimad Bhagavatam ki jai shrabopada ki jai.